Amen. Thank you for getting us warmed up this morning, Kay. If we're not already warm enough, we will be a little bit later, I think. Happy Father's Day. The roses on the altar in honor of three couples celebrating wedding anniversaries of 50 or more years. First, June 19th, we've got Roger and Ruby. Congratulations to you guys. On June 20th, celebrating 54 years, Larry and Becky Longsworth, congratulations to you two and your families. And just making the cut at 50 years, on June 22nd, Jerry and Judy, well, uh, congratulations to you guys. God's love and blessings are amazing. You know, seeing you families and, and, your, and you couples, praise be to God. For his blessings. Tori, if you would please come forward and, and share with us some things about the youth, I believe. Good morning. So next Sunday, we have a church update meeting. So what that means is last March, we put together a team of members from our congregation to restructure, reimagine, and redesign our youth ministry. Um, And it has been a great year. It took a lot longer than we thought it would, um, but that's okay because it was all on God's timing, and it's been great. Um, And we've made a lot of really good progress, and we want to share that with you. We want to share the things we've been talking about, how we've been aligning our youth ministry with the mission and the vision of the church. Um, and so that's next Sunday, June 24th. It'll be right after the service. There will be donuts and coffee and cookies. Um, and it'll be a quick 30-minute max meeting. Um, but it's really just to share what we've been doing um, and to talk about what this means for us as a church. Um, and so even if you don't think this meeting pertains to you, it does, because the next generation of this church is um, coming up, and it's our job as a whole, as the church as a whole, to raise them up as disciples of Christ, to care for them, and to help prepare them to go out into the world. Um, and so we hope that you will con- will consider coming to the meeting. Um, it's going to be a great meeting. There are going to be students involved. Um, our team will be talking, and it'll be just a really cool way of sharing what God's been doing in the youth ministry um, and talk about the coming changes that we have coming to it uh, to the youth ministry this year. So that is next week right after church and we hope that you will come. Thanks. Pastor Kim, if you'd please come forward. We welcome Pastor Kim and Sharon Katterheinrich this morning. Pastor Kim has joined us today while Pastor Joel and his families are out of town. As Pastor Kim's schedule allows, he also works part-time for the Presbyterian Church in Hamilton as a visitation minister. I've been asked to share with you a 40-day covenant of prayer. Um, 40-day covenant of prayer was developed by a guy by the name of Jerry Kirk. And Jerry Kirk was a Presbyterian pastor in College Hill uh, in Cincinnati. Jerry is probably... 85, 86, in that area now. And a number of years ago, he developed this 40-day covenant of prayer. And it's, it's a, 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 a movement that is um, worldwide. I was at a dinner about a month and a half ago in Cincinnati at, at the, one of the Marriott, one of the big hotels downtown Cincinnati. And there were missionaries there from Africa 
And I'm trying to remember how many other countries who were involved in the 40-day covenant of prayer. Simply what it is, is folks covenant with each other to pray for each other for 40 days. And uh, there's a whole listing. I've got the, there's, it, this comes on a small card, but I've got the whole sheet. There are different things that you pray. Dear Father, thank you for your grace that has made me one of your dearly loved children. Okay, and so I'm, I'm praying that for somebody else. I'm praying it for Jerry, because Jerry's got an anniversary coming up. Fifty. I should probably be praying it for Judy, shouldn't I? But anyway, it's, you know, dear Father, thank you for your grace has made me one of your dearly loved children. And thank you, dear Father, that your grace has made Jerry one of your dearly loved children. And you pray, you agree to pray for each other for 40 days. Enable me to praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. And there's one in here that is a real, uh, a real gotcha. Use me today for your glory as a witness to your kingdom and invite others to follow Jesus Christ. But here's the one. Jesus, be Lord of my life today in new ways, and then here it comes, and change me any way you want. How would you like to pray that for 40 days? Lord, change me any way you want, any way you want. And we did this in Hamilton about four years ago. We have a, in Hamilton each, each uh, National Day of Prayer, we have a breakfast at the Marriott, and the average attendance on those things is 225, 230 people. And four years ago, we got about 40 churches together who agreed to pray this covenant of prayer for each other. For 40 days, I think it was from Easter, and 40 days later was National Day of Prayer, to pray this for 40 days for each other. And we had churches praying for each other. And there were over 420 people who wanted to come to the National Day of Prayer breakfast. They were sitting them off in side rooms because they didn't have enough room. And, and our, the response was that the 40-day covenant of prayer had really changed the lives of people. And we still have churches regularly in the Hamilton area who are praying this 40-day covenant of prayer. So I would suggest to you that if you're interested in seeing some life-changing things in your church, if you want to see some life-changing things in your life, uh, when you set up the 40-day covenant of prayer, uh, you may want to opt into this and find somebody that that you would be willing to pray for and say, will you go into covenant with me for 40 days to pray this prayer for each other? Uh, there's, there's a children's prayer. Um, there's all different kinds of things that you can get, you can get material that kids can do and the kids can be praying for each other. Uh, you can look it up, look it up on the internet. Go to Google and Google, Google 40 day covenant of prayer. And there's all kinds of information there. Um, in Hamilton, it was an amazing program did amazing things for the churches in Hamilton. So that's 40-day covenant of prayer. Thank you, Pastor Kim. <laughs> Please rise and join me for the call to worship this morning, which is taken from the book of Psalms. God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. He showed Moses how he went about his work. Open up his plan to all Israel. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold, nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. As high as heaven is over the earth, 
So strong is his love for those who fear him. And as far as sunrise is from sunset, he has separated us from our sins. As God feels for your children, God feels for those who fear him. He knows us inside and out. He keeps in mind what we need. Men and women don't live very long. Like wildflowers, they spring up and blossom. But a storm snuffs them out just as quickly, leaving nothing to show they were here. God's love, though, is everlasting, eternally present to all who fear Him, making everything right for them and their children, as they follow His covenant ways and remember to do whatever He said. Now let us sing our opening hymn, number two in the blue hymnals, Come Thy Fount of Every Blessing. And now we'll have children chat. And while they're coming forward, turn to your neighbor, give him a hand, high five, whatever the love of the Lord shall. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Did the heat zap all of your energy? Yeah. Let's try that again. Good morning. 
What? Oh, you got to see some tractors. All right. So, what is today? It's Father's Day. Did you remember to wish Dad a happy Father's Day? I did it two times this morning. Two times. You're on top of it. You're on top of it. So, what is your favorite thing to do with Dad? See, I was going to get a mic and ask to have a handheld mic this morning so that you guys could each talk into the microphone. Yeah, but then I didn't know what we were all going to talk about. So I decided that this might be a better way. So you guys think about that. What is your favorite thing to do with your dad? Reagan, what's your favorite thing to do with your dad? Jump on the trampoline. Dr- jump on the trampoline? Your daddy jumps on the trampoline with you? We have Does he flip? Can he do flips? No. <laughs> do you jump on the trampoline with daddy too? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Opperman girls, what do you do with daddy? You go canoeing with daddy? Do you ever fall in? No, you don't fall in? Yes. You like to go canoeing with dad? What about you? Ooh, you like to cuddle up with dad while you're watching a movie eating popcorn. I bet dad likes that too. I bet. Luke, what do you like to do with daddy? Yeah. Do you have new puppies at your house? Yeah. All right, so today is Father's Day, okay? Now, we can't forget about the grandpas, too, because they're pretty special, too, aren't they? Yeah. So you need to make sure if you see Grandpa today that you wish him a happy Father's Day, too. Now, so we have, we have our daddies that we have here on earth, right? We have our daddies and our grandpas, but we also have our Heavenly Father. How many of you think of God as a father? Yeah. God is like our father, too. And sometimes our, our dads aren't with us everywhere we go, but we know that God is with us. Our Heavenly Father is with us wherever we go. And God gave us some great examples in the Bible of fathers. Can you think of anybody in the Bible who was a father? Who was a father in the Bible? Yeah, but besides that, who was Jesus' father? Oh, my goodness. Joseph, I was going to say, we've been doing Sunday school for two years now together. You don't have that master yet? Oh, you got, you got the mother right, but not the father right? All right. So, Jesus' earthly father was Joseph. What kind of things do you think Joseph taught Jesus? Do you think he taught him how to build things? Because Joseph was a carpenter. Yeah. Jesus learned from his father, too, just like we learn from our fathers, okay? And, and, you know, our fathers work really hard for us. And so today is a special day that we want to remember our earthly fathers because they do a lot for us. But we also want to make sure that we remember our heavenly father because he provides everything that we have here, okay? So let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for our fathers. Thank you for our grandfathers. And thank you for our Heavenly Father, for all the work they do for us and the wisdom they try to instill in us. Please be with our fathers.
today and every day. Keep them healthy and safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jay called this morning and said he was not going to be able to be here. Um, he also said that there were uh, there were no particular things that he had to report this morning. So we will go to prayer. Let's pray together. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. On this Father's Day, we're reminded that you are the source and inspiration and the example for all fatherhood. We are your children, and you are our Father, our Heavenly Father. Just as you love and care for your children, so we fathers should follow your example with our families. We know that we can never be a perfect father like you are with your children, but help us to be the best fathers that we can possibly be. It's good, Lord, to be together in fellowship with you and with each other in the body of believers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we look forward to being together to lift our worship and praise to you. And we would pray today for those among us who have special needs in their lives, need your special touch and reassurance right now. There may be numerous physical problems, and we don't understand why these things come in our lives. And we're tempted to question you, and our faith is tested, sometimes to the limit. We pray that folks' faith will not fail during these days. Some may have family family relationship problems. They need your special grace to see them through. We ask that you would bring healing and reconciliation. We pray today, O God, for our nation and our leaders, what awesome responsibilities they face. Give wisdom and guidance. May they learn to depend upon you in those situations that are so critical and vital to all of us. We pray for our military, many of them in harm's way, even hour by hour. We pray for peace in the very trouble spots around the globe. Now, loving God, we offer our prayers of praise and thanksgiving for the amazing gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we make all these prayers in his name, praying together the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever. Amen. If the deacons will come forward, we'll take up the morning offering.
for a minute. I kind of changed the order of the service just a little bit this morning, and uh, you'll, you'll see in a minute. We will get to the Scripture. Where, Ned Votemark, where are you? Stick your hand up. Okay, Ned came up to me while I was sitting down here, and he said, we have a rich tradition and heritage in this church, and he wanted to know why I wasn't wearing a robe. You know, Ned, that rich tradition also means that the men all come in suits and ties and the women all come in fancy dresses and hats. So when you're all ready to do that, I'm ready to put on a robe. (laughs) I just, you know, sometimes it just takes me a little bit to catch up with what kind of response I want to give. Father's Day is always an interesting day for a message to be delivered in a church. And when I was growing up here in this community, and some of you younger folks may wonder, that was not before electricity. There was electricity when I was growing up here. We would hear sermons about the father being the head of the household. And today we have all the politically correct influences surrounding us, and we're supposed to be careful about what we say so that we don't offend anybody. And maybe that's a part of the problem in our society. Maybe we've mixed things up so much that fathers are not sure what their role's supposed to be anymore. And mothers carry some of that same confusion. Father's Day presents us with an opportunity to consider our understanding of fatherhood again. Not, not the Rambo type fatherhood. You all remember Rambo? You know, the one who walks with a swagger and cusses up a storm. Such men probably make very poor neighbors and poor business partners and abusive fathers and husbands. Nor, nor am I talking about Ar- Archie Bunker. How many of you remember Archie Bunker? You know, the guy who sits in his chair like a king on a throne, expecting the whole world to revolve around him. I'm talking about men who know that they're men. And they're proud of that. But at the same time, they have a big heart, and they're sensitive to others, and they're sensitive to the will of God. I'm talking about a godly man. I'm talking about fatherhood the way the Bible says it ought to be. So where do we look for a description of that kind of man? What do you suppose the answer is going to be to that question? Of course, it's in the Bible. And so Maria is going to come up, and we're going to look at a passage in First Thessalonians this morning. Why don't you all stand? Our scripture reading comes from First Thessalonians. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you. Or were we like a mother feeding and caring for her own children? We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we 
treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. You can be seated. So what do we glean from this passage that helps us understand the godly man? What are some of the traits that describe the father who pleases God? I want to start with verse 8. Paul says, we loved you so much. When we talk about God's love, we need to know, we need to understand that none of us can fully understand the complete depth of God's love. In these five words in verse 8, in the original language, we get the understanding of a love that gives over and over and over again. And that kind of love is an important trait for godly fathers, particularly because expressing love doesn't come easily or naturally for most men. Have you ever noticed in the Bible how much the Bible tells husbands to love their wives? And how little it tells wives to love their husbands? Check that out sometime. It may well be that the Bible says that because we have to learn how to love. Men may have to learn how to love. And that's true about the father-child relationship too. Okay, dads. And I know some we're talking some grandpas and we're probably talking some great-grandpas maybe. How many of you remember when you brought your first child home? A couple. Most of you have forgotten that. How many of you remember when you brought your first child home? Do you remember how mom naturally seemed to know what to do? She knew that the head was heavy and you had to support it. She knew when the diaper needed changed, and she changed it with skill. She knew when the baby was hungry. She knew when it was bath time and when it was playtime. But us poor dads, we had a lot to learn. For many of us, it was pretty awkward experience the first time we held a baby. And I was not, all you have to do is ask Sharon. She's sitting right back there. I was not very skilled at changing diapers. In fact, I don't think I changed more than three or four diapers counting all four of our kids. But we can and we did learn to hold and love our children. And we began to enjoy being with them. And then you know what happens? They grow up and it changes all over again. Some years ago there was a cartoon strip called For Better or Worse. Some of you may be familiar with this cartoon strip. And it shows Dad coming into the room where his teenage daughter is sitting on the couch watching television and she's munching on popcorn. Did you hear that from the children's chat? I like to sit and watch a movie with my dad and have popcorn. So he decides to sit down next to her and he's going to help himself to some popcorn. And as he's he's sitting there, one of those little thought balloons you know, appears above his head. And he's thinking, I remember when she was young, 
I held her in my arms and I loved her and it was wonderful. Now look at her. She's all grown up. And she's such a beautiful girl, too. I wonder what she would think if I held her like I used to and told her again that I loved her. And he finally concludes that she would probably be uncomfortable if he did that. And while he's thinking that, his daughter's sitting there thinking, I wonder why Dad never hugs me anymore. Sad, isn't it? One of the traits of a godly father is a dad who can express love. Second trait is that we might call a transparent life. Notice what Paul says about being transparent. This is in verse 8, and it's in the message version. He says, we love you dearly, not content just to pass on the message. We wanted to give you our hearts, and we did. Now, if we were going to rephrase that passage a little bit, we might say that when Paul lived among the Thessalonian people, he not only told them the good news, he lived it out for them. Doesn't it seem reasonable that if we're Christian dads, our kids ought to know that by the way we live? For example, values ought to be different. The non-Christian home in our society today values things like pleasure and power and prestige and possessions. And the godly father and the mother, for that matter, ought to be teaching that the things that we can't see, the things that we can't buy, and the things that we can't hold on to are really the most precious. And how about some of the other things that go on in the life of the family? Do Christian dads, for example, handle stress differently? Should Christian dads be able to model what it's like to live with a peace that passes understanding? Would Christian dads handle money that's different from the way the world handles money? Could they show their children how the gospel has changed their lives by the importance they place on serving the Lord with their time and their talents and the gifts? I believe that Christian dads do those things, that their lives show their beliefs, that they live the gospel. Third characteristic of a godly father is found in verse 9 of this, of this Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Paul says, Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not burden, be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you. Now consider what Paul is teaching here. Think about the work ethic. Paul didn't want to burden the church in Thessalonica. So when they came, Paul and his party worked to earn their keep. We have a responsibility as parents to teach our children a good work ethic. So what about it, dads? If your children don't see you as a person who works hard, what will they come to believe? How will they learn a good work ethic? We all know that children learn from the way we teach. And when it comes to a work ethic, we teach in two ways. First, we teach by example. You know, like the Nike commercial used to say, just do it. 
And secondly, we teach by giving our children the opportunity to do it themselves and to learn from their mistakes. seems there was a little boy, and he wasn't very good at drawing. And he was trying to draw a horse. And his father, who was very artistic, was watching. And the little boy was having so much difficulty that the father started to give him advice. And that didn't help at all. So the dad took a piece of paper, and he drew a beautiful horse. And he said, that's the way you do it, son. And the son looked at his dad and said, but dad, I wanted to draw my own horse. Our children need to be able to draw their own horses. Fourth characteristic of a godly father we glean from this passage in 1 Thessalonians is true spirituality. Verse 10 says, You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. Not only did Paul and his party go to Thessalonica and preach the gospel, they also lived holy, blameless lives among the people. See, their behavior was influenced by what they believed. Dads, we've been called by God to be spiritual leaders. And we are, whether we realize it or not. We will either bring our families closer to God, or we'll move them farther away. And here's the problem, dads. If we come to church regularly on Sundays and never express our faith during the week through the way we live and the things we do, our kids are going to know that. They're going to know that. If we don't worship God through the week or study our Bibles or if we aren't good stewards of the money we have, our kids are going to know that. You know what that means? That means we need to be genuine with our children. They need to see the genuineness of our faith. Finally, we need to look at verses 11 and 12. Paul says, And you know that we treated each of you as father as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. So dads, that's what a father does. That's what a father does. A godly father encourages his children and urges his children on to their best and pleads for his children. Eugene Peterson did the message version of the Bible. And sometimes when I'm reading a passage and I and I and it's a little bit of a I'm not sure I really get this. I like to go to the message version because he speaks it in, he, he, he reports it in common, ordinary, traditional language. This is, this is how Eugene Peterson said it in the message. With each of you, we were like a father with his child, holding your hand, whispering encouragement, showing you step by step how to live well before God, who called us into his own kingdom, into this delightful life. See how Paul is admonishing us to have influence over our children? Hold their hands. Whisper encouragement. Show them step by step how to live well 
before God. There's a book that's titled The Total Man. And in this book, the author, Dan Benson, says that for every positive word that most dads say to their children, they say ten negative ones. Okay, dads, does that sound high to you? Sound high? But you know, we're pretty good at stop that. Don't do that. No, you can't go. How good, how good are we at, that was great. You did a super job. I'm so proud of you. Now there's one more thing. Some of you may think that I'm only addressing fathers with young children. I'm not. I'm addressing dads. I'm addressing, I'm addressing grandpas. I'm addressing great grandpas. Because we still affect the lives of our kids. Sharon and I have 11 grandchildren. We affect the lives of those grandchildren by what we say to them, about how we encourage them, about how we try to help shape their lives, about how we talk to them about Jesus and how Jesus loves them. It's not just dads with young kids anymore. It's grandpas, great-grandpas, and all of them, all of us. And we've been called to be godly fathers. We have an outline from the Apostle Paul. And we have an opportunity that lies ahead of us, a great opportunity. No matter what the past has been, we still have the future, an opportunity for us to be a godly father. Happy Father's Day. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling great and godly fathers. Help us to be the godly fathers that you would have us to be. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you stand, we will sing our closing hymn, Be Thou My Vision.
that's kind of far away from the people. I don't like to be that far away. I'm going to, I'm going to close with a benediction that you've all heard over and over and over. And I may have told you this before, and if I've told you this before, excuse me, but I'm going to tell you again. In the sixth chapter of Numbers, God is speaking to Moses, and he's telling Moses to talk to Aaron and tell Aaron how to bless the people. And he says, you tell them to bless the people this way. And there's an interesting phrase that so often we forget when we look at that benediction. We forget that God says, and if they bless the people, I will bless the people. Okay? And it's kind of a conditional thing. The priests need to bless the people, and if the priests bless the people, then God will bless the people. If you look at the second chapter of 1 Peter, Peter says, you are a holy nation and a royal priesthood. That's where we get the understanding of the priesthood of all believers. And he says that we who are a part of the body of Christ serve as priests. Now, if you can put the two together, if the priests will bless the people, you're the priests, then God says, I will bless the people. And he says, this is the way you do it. You bless people by saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Now you go into the world and bless others. Amen.